Welcome to The Read Along. A mini book club for your ears. A proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book. One One chapter chapter at a time. This episode of The Read-Along is brought to you by Taproot Edmonton, your source for curiosity-driven coverage of our city, cultivated by the community. Taproot publishes a weekly arts roundup, gathering up what's happening locally in theater, dance, the visual arts, the literary arts, and much more. It's curated by Fonda Mithrush, a veteran of Edmonton's arts scene and co-host of I Don't Get It, fellow member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Subscribe to the Arts Roundup for free at taprootedmonton.ca. Every our opening theme, it does. It's not playing in the room, because okay, astute listeners will will notice that our opening changes a little bit every time because we do it live every time. It's not pre-recorded, and every time we get to the end of it, our theme song plays in my head. Yeah. So as you hear it, is how I think it, because that's how my brain works. Yeah. It's all post-production. The only sound in the room while we're recording is the sound of Nita rustling her papers or sipping on her drink and uh, the ticking sound of our furnace. Occasionally baby sounds. And sometimes uh, the sound of the mini fridge in the corner just humming away. Yes. Which it is not right now. It's actually kind of cool down here tonight. Yeah. Uh, After the uh, many... Many heat waves of the past few months. Uh, <laughs> things have started to cool down into what we would consider regular September weather. Uh, to quote our four-year-old, Mommy, those trees are doing a fall. Yep, they are doing a fall. So autumn is here. Yeah. <laughs> As noticed by our son. A, uh, a time, one might say, appropriate for endings. And wouldn't you know it, but we're coming up on the ending of this book. Smooth Scott segues. But before we get to the epilogue, uh, a brief recap of our final chapter, which is mostly just kind of like an after-action report, as Beth is interrogated by police for essentially the murder of Lewis Braid. Yes. Well, yes? She hasn't been charged with anything, as far as I know. No, the, uh, the implication, and at risk of getting a little ahead of ourselves. The implication is certainly that uh, it was ruled self-defense. Yes. And so no charges were laid. Yeah. So that whole chapter is her giving her statement to the police in Florida about what she says happens, even though we know that's not actually what happened. Yeah. And so we're heading into the epilogue, and I'm hoping for some ends being tied up, but not all of them. Let's see if that happens as we move into (laughs) the epilogue of Perfect Little Children by Sophie Hanna. So from the final chapter, we dissolve to black and then we fade back in to four months later. Four months later. And catch back up with Beth and the fam. In Greece. In Corfu. Greece. Actually, no. If it was a movie, the screen would say Corfu, comma, Greece. Yes. 
I can't I can't show you typeface auditorily, so I have to use my fancy voice. We can surmise pretty quickly based on the fact that Beth is with her family and in another country. That she has not been charged with murder. Agreed. And uh, they are indeed in Greece visiting Flora and the family who have also gone on a probably deserved vacation. A real vacation. I assume a vacation. It doesn't seem likely that Flora relocated to Greece. Yeah. That seems a little out of the blue. So Beth and Dom and Zan and Ben are all in a rental car lost (laughs) in the winding hills around Corvu. Greece famously hilly area. <laughs> right. Yeah. Dom is feeling some trepidation here. Yeah, he's uh, he feels weird about the whole thing. Yeah, he's worried there's going to be a lot of awkwardness. I don't blame him. Well, yeah. Considering the yeah. novel we just went through, I don't blame him one bit. Yeah, being kind of uncomfortable about this whole thing. Yeah, especially because I'm not sure Dom has, I have no idea, but I'm guessing Dom doesn't have the whole story. Oh no, I can pretty definitively say he doesn't have And I don't just story. mean I don't just mean the bit that Beth's not telling him. I mean like Dom's probably missing big chunks of information. Oh yeah. My guess is that Beth has um given him a very sanitized version of events so as not to worry his pretty head. We get a little bit of clarification here, uh, as well, with some of the fallout of the uh the death of Lewis Braid. Um because Dom asks, should we should we bring up Thomas and Emily Braid, like the original OG Thomas and Emily? Mm-hmm. And Beth's like, oh, no. Goodness, no. Best not. Yeah. Uh, apparently, they and Lewis's mom have decided that Flora and Beth conspired to murder Lewis. Yes. Presumably to steal his money or something. Like, who knows? Or for some reason. For reasons. Because reasons. Um, And they've also decided he was a wholly innocent man who has never done a terrible thing in his entire life. Yes. And this... Kind of tracks, actually. Everything we've been led to believe is that Lewis was legitimately doting on the elder kids and really did shelter them from this terrible secret double life. And they don't know him as anything other than a doting, loving father. Mm-hmm. Well, we've talked about it yeah. lots of times. Lewis was all about keeping up appearances. Yeah. Especially to his kids. Especially to his kids. And you can only assume that his extended family as well was roped into his mirage facade. I'm not sure what to call well, it. Well, he was very charming. He probably charmed his parents too. Oh, probably. But it's it's also a very easy lie. Rather than accepting that you didn't really know this person whom you've known all your life, it's easier to hide behind the lie of, well, no, he was who I thought he was. And you, people who I don't really know, are the true monsters. Yeah, I'm willing to bet that Lewis's kids don't get to hear the tape. Uh, well, it's probably state evidence. Yeah. So, uh, and they might not want to hear the tape. Nope. Again, it's easier maybe yep. for them to just believe the lie. Absolutely. So it might even be less about not getting to hear the tape and just not wanting to. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, like, I totally understand where Emily is coming from, uh, especially because without giving too much away. Something similar happened in my extended family. No murder involved, but there was a messy divorce and the children were given a story about their father, who they were then estranged from, and they were raised believing it. So many, many, many years later, when he tried to reconnect with his own children, 
uh, one of them for sure, was like, nope, would not hear any other narrative than the one given by her mother, which was false. So she wanted no contact with her dad because she believed all of these things about him. So I can understand where Emily's coming from, right? She knew her dad. So to hear, she quote unquote knew her dad, right? Mm -hmm. So to hear another story, another narrative about these horrible things that he did, she can't believe it and she won't believe it. And so clearly these other people are wrong. So I get it. Yeah. Uh, Beth also, as you mentioned earlier, in her internal monologue, does confirm to us in this moment, she did shoot to kill Lewis Bray. This was not self-defense. It was not her trying to wing him. She aimed for his face and shot him between the eyes. Yes. Yeah. Well, and we couldn't confirm it at the time, but you and I both knew that that's what she did. Yeah. She she wanted him dead. She had grown to hate him over the course of her investigation and had gone from, I could kill this man to, I'm going to kill this man. The moment she had the opportunity. Mm-hmm. So I was right. As soon as as soon as she picked up the gun, she knew she was going to kill Lewis. Yes, but still second degree murder. Yeah. It was not premeditated. No. Nope. It was a murder in the passion of the moment. Yes, it wasn't an accident. No, it definitely wasn't manslaughter. Nope. It was deliberate, but it was not premeditated. So still second degree murder. Cool motive, still murder. Is it is it considered manslaughter if it's done in self-defense or is self-defense a whole separate thing? Self-defense, you'll usually get manslaughter for because it's unintentional. Okay. Second-degree murder still requires intent, and what Beth's internal monologue is telling us is that she had intent. Okay. So it would never you'd never be able to prove it in court if she and Flora are not willing to tell the truth about it, which they're not. No. So. <laughs> nope. Anyway, carrying on. Uh, and Beth, of course, naturally has lied to everyone about her motivation. Of course. Um, she's, I mean, she's already lied to Dom so much through this novel. Why Why would she stop Why now? stop now? Yeah. Side note, this is one of the only times that Beth is going somewhere and not talking about the architecture. Yeah, that's weird. Right? I'm surprised, actually. I don't you know. pointed that out. I don't know if it means anything, but it stood out to me. It's like, she's, she's at last... Not talking about the architecture. Oh, she's got other things on her mind, like the fact that she killed a man. Mm. We also get some confirmation here that Kevin and Yanina did do the right thing, kind of. Maybe. Sort of. Maybe. Implications. Yeah, kind of. The story is that um, after Flora had gone to Florida, they overheard a conversation between the younger Thomas and Emily. Right. Uh, in which they were talking about the terrible things that the American man was doing and saying to mummy whenever he visited. And they were like, oh, no, this is bad. And so they pulled the kids out of school and fled to a, a far flung part of the country to get away from Lewis and avoid any potential reprisals that might come their way. Because he's yeah. a very wealthy man. So um, it, it doesn't actually say that they went to police. But it also doesn't say that they didn't go to the police. It, it doesn't say that they're in jail either. Right? So, so the implication is that they must have gone to authorities at some juncture. They must have come forward. I hope so. And Beth certainly feels that there was a performative aspect to what they were doing. Because if they were really concerned, they, in theory, probably would have gone directly to police. But that they might have been trying to cover their butts a little bit. And that's why they, they did all of these things to make it seem like they... Look at all the good things we did. Yeah, yeah. 
just don't pay attention to the bad things you yeah. did. Um, so <laughs> didn't it's, look at. Yeah, it's really vague. Uh, it's actually frustratingly vague what happens here. <laughs> it is. And so we kind of have to read between the lines as to what happened to them. And my read on it is that they did go to authorities and they kind of got off scot-free. Maybe. Because otherwise you'd think Beth would mention that they were in prison. Right? Or in trouble somehow. Or, but we know that Flora got the kids back, so they, the authorities must have been involved at some point. Realistically, would Beth be privy to that information? I mean, Flora would presumably have told her at some point. Maybe? The, it's pretty Hopefully. clear that Flora and Beth have been in communication well, yeah. over the past four months. They're meeting up in Greece. Yeah. So there must have been something. But you're right, because at the time, Flora's children... We're in the custody of two other people. Yeah. And we know that Flora currently has custody of her two youngest children. So at some point, you would think authorities were involved yeah. in transferring that custody from one to the other. Yeah. I don't think she just phoned up Kevin and was like, hey, back in the UK, bring the kids home. I don't think it was that simple. No. I'm just saying, it's super vague. And I agree with you, frustratingly so. Yeah. Um, I mean, even if the authorities then caught up with them uh, in the ensuing four months during all of the fiasco, one would presume that they just gave the cover story of we knew the kids were in danger and we had to get them away from Lewis. But if you're saying Lewis is dead and everything's square, then, hey, we're good. So, mm -hmm. I don't know. And Flora may not have pursued any reprisal against them because she was just happy to have her kids back and her life back. Yeah. She just wanted to be over and done with. Yeah. And again, Detective Steele in the previous chapter implied that at that point, they had already accounted for the two younger kids when she was talking to Beth. Because Beth made a point of like, she has four kids. And Detective Steele was like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. We got this. So the See, implication... But was that the detective brushing her off? I don't know. Or was that the detective reassuring her that, yes, all four children are accounted for? I really got the impression she was assuring her that all four kids were accounted for, which me which implies to me at the very least that Kevin and Yanina were accounted for at that point, which implies so. to me that they did go to police. Oh, I hope so. Probably again to avoid trouble. Yeah. Realizing they were in too deep. And I think that the truth lies somewhere between Beth's suspicion of them and what their story is. I think that... They did they did turn a willful blind eye for a long time until it became too obvious something really dastardly yeah, was going on. Something really wrong. And that the hammer was coming down because Beth was on their trail, the police were snooping around, Lewis started sending more and more erratic orders to them. And I think at that juncture they realized, like, this is coming to an end. <laughs> Whatever's going on here is coming to an end, and it's maybe worse than what we think. And so maybe the moment we have an opportunity, we should make sure that we have a parachute. And that parachute is get the kids away from Lewis. Once we're sure that the Lewis situation is resolved, go to the police and try to yeah. come across as people who were in over their heads, didn't know what was going on, and are, t are wholly innocent of any crimes. To be fair... Our, our guess, anyway, at what they were doing wasn't criminal, unethical, uh, certainly <laughs> morally reprehensible, probably, but not criminal. No. The implication is that they never once raised a hand against Flora. Right. As they arrive, 
uh, Ben and Dom hop out to go and head over to the the Greek villa yes. where Flora and the kids and her parents are staying. Yes. And that's where Zan actually, as usual, sticks her <laughs> nose into business and is like, you know, Thomas and Emily, the OG Thomas and Emily, and I are the same age, roughly. And they don't want to talk to you, but they might be more receptive to me. Maybe at some point I should reach out to them and, and see if I might be able to smooth some some things over a little bit. Yeah, and it, Beth's knee-jerk reaction is new. Yeah, no, this is not something you want to be sticking your nose in. And so Zan kind of like starts dropping hints that uh, oh, it'd be a shame if more people found out about that whole murder you did to Louis Braid. That that murder you made on Lewis? Yeah. And Beth's like, <gasps> she knows. Yeah. I don't know if Zan actually knows. I think Zan is learning how to bluff from her mother. Or she knows. Or she knows. she knows her mom. Who knows? And I guess that is the only consequence that Beth has to worry about. So it seems. Uh, for all of her actions during the course of this novel is that her daughter doesn't even necessarily think less of her mm-hmm. for having murdered a man in cold blood. But at least Flora seems happy. And that is the end of our novel. Yes. That's where the book stops. Correct. Uh, I found this ending wholly unsatisfying. Yeah, it's pretty meh. I felt the same. It it makes me sad. It doesn't... It. I wasn't satisfied reading it. I still have a page of questions in my notes after the end of the book. And there's no more book. And there's no more book. I was really hoping with all of the twists and turns and confusion through this book, I was really hoping for everything to at least get wrapped up, even if I wasn't satisfied with the wrap-up. But things weren't even wrapped up. There are whole sections of plot, Kevin and Yanina being a great big one. Yeah. What? Why? What? Yeah, everything involving them is just like... No, whatever. Wrapped up in a paragraph. Not even wrapped up. They are mentioned. Yeah. Nothing gets answered. Nothing gets explained. And then just to double down on how unsatisfying that is, uh, Beth is like, oh, and we'll never find out the answers because Flora has no intention of ever talking to them again. Right? Super. No comment on what had to have been legal proceedings involving Mm -hmm. Lewis's death. Yep. How is Flora? All we know is that she is smiling as she's greeting them at the door. Yep. What what does that mean? <laughs> Nothing. Like it's just I really wanted a where are they now kind of ending. I wanted to know that everyone was okay and I wanted to know that the bad guys got their comeuppance other than Lewis getting shot. Right? I after all the twists and turns, I wanted more neat little bows, I guess. Yeah. And I didn't get any. And I, mean, I found it very disappointing. We're we're going to have more to dissect in the book when we go into our final analysis oh, next yes. episode. So we don't want to dwell on the whole book right now, I just stop, on this chapter. I will stop complaining. But yeah, as as epilogues go, this one did not, this was not refreshing. This did not satisfy. I will say that. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. So I don't know if that means that in total, I did not care for this book. I'm going to have to dwell on that over the next week before we get into our final analysis. Mm. I have more problems with this novel, I think, than any previous novels we've done for this podcast. And I feel bad saying that because Sophie Hanna worked hard on this book. And I think she's a skilled author. 
not having read anything else of hers. True. Um, it's competently put together. And I mean, that takes skill. And and from a, a strictly craft point of view, kudos to her. But I don't know. And and again, that's maybe stepping on the toes a little bit of, of next episode. And I should just end it there. A so, little bit. Yeah. We will We will dive in depth next episode. But yeah. this, the epilogue was very short. So our episode's going to be really short because we're going to talk about the whole book next, next time. Next time, yeah. So yeah, uh, with that said, we'll we'll kind of put a pin in things here for now. Uh, one of the leftover pins from our chicken board, which has been uh, dismantled uh, as we got into this episode <laughs> and no longer having any purpose for it. And uh, we will, of course, remind you that uh, because next episode is our is our final episode for this novel, uh, it will include the announcement of what our next novel will be. Yes. And we have obtained it. We did. We went shopping. And everything. Yeah. We went out in public to a real bookstore with real books in it. With masks. With masks. And social distancing. We were very, we were very responsible. Yeah. But we found a book that fit our criteria. Yes. I'll, I'll give, I'll give a, a, a hint, a tease, <laughs> a tease about it. Uh, it fit our criteria that it is by a BIPOC author. Yes. Uh, and it is a fantasy novel. Yes. Uh, which is a genre that we have not delved into much. So... Something to look forward to, and uh, it looks to be a good book. It might be our longest read yet by page count, but episode-wise should fall into the normal episode count. Yes. So. We'll try not to drone on for hours and hours. Indeed. Yes. We'll do our best. There there will probably be a lot to unpack in it, though. But yes, that announcement will be coming next week, uh, along with the final overview episode for Perfect Little Children. And don't forget... Book Club. Yep, so you'll want to get your wine and your cheese and get your, your snacks. snacks ready. Yep. And uh, you'll also want to uh, maybe think about who you might cast in this movie. Ah, yes. Because it's time for Nita's favorite game next episode, too. Cast that movie! Yeah, if you want to play the game, you can send us some uh, casting suggestions. Sure. On social media, by all means. Happy to hear it. Yeah. Even if you're listening to this episode months later. Oh, yeah. Ages later. You can still send us your cast list. Yeah. Just be I'm like, always hey. fascinated to read those. Yeah. Just be like, hey, I just caught up on Perfect Little Children or literally any of our prior oh, yeah. books. 100%. And uh, I think that this person or this person would be good for the cast. Uh, especially the one where we didn't play cast that movie. Oh, because it was before we... There were a couple before we really started yeah. delving into this. By all means, cast cast those old movies. Yeah. Um, so with that said, we'll wrap up here for today. Yes, let's do it. You'll want to uh, not read anything in time for next week. One of those rare episodes of the read-along where there's no reading to do. But think. Think on what you think of this book. Yes. Reflect. <laughs> as, Again, uh, get some get wine. It. Wine is very important to a book club. It's true. In the meantime, while you're getting your wine, you know what? I once got a great bottle of wine from a gala that I was not even at uh, because I happened to be at the offices of the Edmonton Community Foundation. When they were having a gala upstairs, I was doing something else downstairs. And when we were wrapped up downstairs, while I was being let out, the gala was also wrapping up. And they had a bunch of leftover wine from the gala. You just got a bottle of wine? And the director of the Edmonton Community Foundation was like, take your pick. Have one. It's fine. It's it's just, it's just extra wine that <laughs> we had like, for the gala. Free wine. Yeah. And it was actually pretty good. I don't remember this. When was this? This was some time ago, actually. 
You'll have to tell me off microphone what you were doing. uh, A tip of the hat to Andrew Paul from the Well Endowed podcast as well for uh, having been with me that evening as well. But uh, yeah, just good people over at the Edmonton Community Foundation. And uh, wouldn't you know it, they are affiliates and supporters of the Alberta Podcast Network. And I'm going to read something about it. The Well Endowed Podcast by the Edmonton Community Foundation. Sounds like a novel. Hosted by Andrew Paul and Elizabeth Von Kink, and it's produced by Lisa Pruden. It explores the impact of passionate people who are working to make Edmonton a strong, vibrant city to live in. The Edmonton Community Foundation helps people create endowment funds. The podcast then tells the stories of how those endowments intersect with the community. So you can subscribe at thewellendowedpodcast.com. Yeah, the Well Endowed Podcast can also be found on the Alberta Podcast Network webpage because they are affiliated. Yes, along with a bazillion other podcasts. Yeah, if you're looking for some content to put in your ear holes during your your quarantine or your lockdown, you can go to the Alberta Podcast Network. There's going to be something there. Oh, yeah. And your ear holes is the best place to put audio content. Indeed. That's the thing I said. Yeah. Um, You can download any of those podcasts uh, from the Alberta Podcast Network website. That is albertapodcastnetwork.com. And really, probably on any podcatcher of your choice. Yes. Realistically. Yeah, while you're there, maybe give us a little rating and a review. That does help us uh, in our visibility. So that's great for Mm. us. And we do appreciate it. Also, we just like feedback. It's true. We we try to make ourselves better. Yeah, if you want to give us some feedback, you can do that on social media. Yes. Yes. So we have Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Goodreads. At the read-along, at uh, most of them. Yep. If you want more characters, typey-typey, you can send us an email. That's thereadalong at gmail.com. Yes. And as always, we love you. (laughs) We do. And we'll see you next time. Full Book Club. Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. All Read Along music is by Kevin McLeod and Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com. 